Pull up a stool and pour yourself a pint, as you're about to join three intrepid drinkers, Kevin, Justin, and Mark, as they embark on another Beer-tastic voyage. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Beer-tastic Voyage. My name, it's Kevin. My name, it's Justin. Hello. That's Mark. Mark, Mark doesn't like symmetry. Mark likes, likes to bother me. D-bag. <laughs> so today, Keeping it real. we have Yo. another wonderful user submission from Superfan Jack. User submission. <laughs> user submission. Jesus Let's Christ. Submission. Sorry. Are we... Are we <laughs> I mean, it could have been worse. You could have said nocturnal emission. There could have been a lot of other things <laughs> that you could have said that rhymes with that. That doesn't uh, work. But user, sub, user yes. submission. Jesus sorry. Christ. Sorry. My Listener submission. Listener submission. And, and watcher. We'll yes. plug our YouTube channel. Yes. You can watch this bullshit on uh, on YouTube if you'd like. Right. If you prefer to listen to the audio on YouTube, and you can watch us wave our hands and pass things across tables to each other yes yes but i also find in images on the internet and overlay them over our voices yes oh that's good we you know we uh occasionally uh pilfer different things and show you visuals of of the crazy things we talk about like you know such things as el cabong and uh what's the other one the great al Tuin. yes that one too yeah <laughs> and the beers we talk about yeah you know pictures you know, pictures of the beers beer. like relevant shit yeah um, so today we have beers from the Napa Valley of California called Mad Fritz. Yes. Is the brewing company. And I got to say, they come in fantastic flip-top bottles. Yeah, one of those 750s? Um, I think so, with some delightful um, ink drawings on the front of them. Um, this one, first one that we're going to have is called The Lion and Other Beasts. It's made with Brett Brooks, and it is a... Is that the one I opened first? Yes. yes. I opened the wrong one first. Oh, well. That one is the Grisette Ale. Ah. So uh, their notes, the brewer notes that the Belgian-style ale called the Grisette, that is somewhat of a lost beer style, named for coal miners' wives that would serve this up after a long day of work in the mines. Typically a low-alcohol ale at 4 to 5% ABV with low bitterness and aromas of yeast spice as well as subtle hop notes. The base malt in our approach was a full pint, two-row from Madras, Oregon, water from St. Helena, Amarillo hops from the Yakima Valley, then aged in French oak for varying times. Our resulting beer is bright with light fruit tones, yeast spice, dry and clean. Clocks in at 5.7% alcohol by volume and was aged in Chardonnay barrels for one month. Wow. There's a lot going on there uh, to start off with. And as we poured it out, it's got almost a Chardonnay kind of color to it. Yeah, it's definitely light straw color. Yeah, light straw, little bit of white foam head on the top. That is certainly persistent. It has it that little bit out. of little bit of Belgian Belgian haze to it. Mentioned yep. in another episode that uh, when yeah. you pour a Belgian out, it's just it has that like clarity yet haze to it. Yeah, I can see I can see my finger through the other side, but I can't really see details through it. But you can definitely make out light through there, no problem. The the aroma is awesome. Um, yeah. I get a little bit of a citrus mixed with the um, the Flawless. typical typical Belgian character you get from Belgian yeast, but the uh, the Brett Brux is interesting. I obviously I know what Britannomyces is, but what is the Brux portion of this? Is that a, is that a sub um, species of Britannomyces? Yeah, so there's a few different species of so Britannomyces is the genus, so like Brewers used the Saccharomyces, and the species is Cerevisiae, where Britannomyces. Sorry. 
<laughs> For Tanomyces, there's a uh, there's two or three uh, main species that are used in brewing. Bruxellensis is one of them, and Bruxellensis gives you more like leather and like pipe tobacco flavors from what I can recall off the top of my head, whereas Clausinii, which is the one that we used in Violet Vone, Bi- Burning Violet Beauregard, gives you more uh, stone fruit and fruity notes. Gotcha. So, like, Bruxellensis is, is definitely more funk than fruity. And I, I, I get that kind of little bit of um, funk light, oh. for lack of a better... Uh, Lack of a better phrase, like it's funk light. Yeah, I would say. I mean, for your average beer drinker, this is this is funk. Yeah, like I mean, this isn't burnt the burnt rubber like crazy shit that only you know true aficionados would even consider drinking. Like I don't even dig that. But this has plenty of funk for me. I'm I'm really into this. It's hard to describe the flavor because of the the like the complexity that the the that the bread is bringing to it. It is a very complex beer. There are layers of flavor. Yeah, I like the um, the. There's a little bit of the floralness and the aroma to it, and I think that's kind of what comes out in the taste as well. There's a little bit of that floral feel. Yeah, they, as you taste it, and I aroma, like that. The aroma I get a combination really of uh, the Belgian yeast with the mm-hmm. Amarillo hops. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a that's a nice um, counterpoint to the uh, to the Belgian yeast. Yeah. There is to have that Amarillo. I think it's really, um, it create it creates a very floral kind of flavor to it. And talk about an interesting combination. I mean, when you're making a, a Belgian beer, I mean, the, the, I don't know about anybody else. But the last thing I'm going to think about is adding Amarillo hops to it. Though how, I love Amarillo hops and I love Belgian, so I think that that sort of mashup is pretty spectacular. Yeah. Um, it's really, really delightful. And in in the notes when they talked about, you know, coal miners' wives that would serve this after a long day of work, like, that's perfect time for this beer. Hell yeah. Come back from sweating my balls off, working hard in the mine all day, and, like, come out and come come out of the, out of the mine and have this nice, light, refreshing beverage that has so many different flavors, but... Is strong enough to probably cut through that layer of coal dust on my tongue, <laughs> you know. Yes, um, is it's really delightful. And I also think that um, again, going back to someone who maybe doesn't drink beer or you know drinks uh, maybe a wine drinker that, um, especially a white wine drinker, I think this would be something that would be interesting to them. Um, I think it has similarities again because of the. Um, this was a Chardonnay barrel. Yeah, it was well. in a yeah. Chardonnay barrel, and I, I really get that in not the, not the Chardonnay flavor. No, but I feel like when you have a good, when some of the Chardonnays that I've liked a little more, kind of mirror the same flavor profile, and I think that's something that you could pass to someone who maybe does definitely like a Chardonnay. That hey, try this out. Let me see what you think about this. Yeah. This may be more approachable for sure, but the like there de- definitely is a prominent funk, mm-hmm. yeah, at, like uh, aftertaste, yeah, on this that you know the wine drinker might have a hard time getting past. Yeah, the fin- the finish isn't going to be like they might when it's in their mouth they might be like oh yeah this is this is kind of close. Then after they swallow then the, fin- the like, finish is yeah the finish is totally different. But 
Um, I don't. I this is this is the type of beer that you know. It's been like you know probably fifteen episodes since I mentioned Monk's Cafe, but this is the type of beer that I when I go there I'm looking for because you don't right. see these very often, but they tend to congregate there. They tend to have a couple on tap, and I'm always asking, hey, which one of these are the funkiest? So I'm I'm way to funk. Yeah, you know, <laughs> way to funk at. So I'm I'm really happy that uh, we were able to get something of this this quality. Yeah, this is really. I'm I'm gonna go back to delightful. Like it's just the that's the word that just comes to me when I taste this. That it's it's you know it's more complex than nice. It's a little more sprightly. It's entertaining, and I really like the flavor on it. It's it's great. I could seriously seriously could see myself polishing off the whole 750, trying to identify all the different flavors. Right, that I without, get from without it. no, and then you'd finish it and you'd be like, crap. I don't know everything that's in there. Let me get another one. I would finish it, and then I would wake up and see the smash glass in the floor and be really curious as to why I'm bleeding. That's probably what would happen. At 5.7. I had thought you said 8.7. I'm sorry. 5.7 is not bad at all. At 5.7, you're probably not going to be smashing bottles and passing out. But if if you go through the whole thing quick, you might have a hard time opening up the second bottle. I'll give you that. <laughs> and so, Justin, before we started recording, you had asked me, like, you know, what exactly is, uh, what are they called? Is it Grzyski? A Grisette. Grisette. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, Grzyski is something else. I'm yes. confusing with. So, Grisette is, uh, like, 5.7, I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head, but I feel like that might be towards the higher end of the ABV range, because uh, Grisette is, like, the, uh, is a... The cousin of Cezanne, in that uh, many of the brewing practices are the same, but the difference between the two styles is Grisette is meant to be drunk, fresh. Oh, whereas the the Cezanne is, is usually sat on for a while, right. which is why I was a little thrown off when you know Kevin read that it was aged for a month in the Chardonnay barrels because I feel like that would be atypical for the style. Yeah, I mean a month is a month in a barrel. It's though, not that long, long, but yeah. it's still it's you know it's one of the styles that you know was intended to be drunk, drunk young. Right. So, so like sitting on it for a month just seems out of place, historically speaking, for the style. Right. I mean, I just I did a quick Google search and apparently like the uh, the top notes for a Rosetta that they're low ABV. This is so like around four percent. Yeah, so it's a little. little Point seven yeah. is a little. It's a little, little high. high, and then also um, that the hop levels are noticeable, not that they're you know pronounced. But and I actually I can say that I think I'm pretty sure that I do get some some of the citrus notes, especially from the Amarillo. Like you definitely, oh, I know definitely the hops. perceive yeah. the hops in the aroma at the very least. Yeah, it. Um, um, th- that that beer is is it really interesting? It's one of the most interesting um, beers that I've had in a while. In a, in a while, yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm incredibly impressed it's a beer that i would really like to sit down and i I, i'd like to just sit down and enjoy it and kind of contemplate it a little bit more definitely um now rating wise where does everybody sit rating wise i think i could probably go through two pints of it and feel pretty good about it feel like i probably had a decent handle on it and then probably want something different to mix it up a little bit. Um, not that, you know, not, not even to mix it up. Just, I feel like after two glasses, that'd probably be pretty satiated. Um, and it's, it's fairly refreshing too. Like I don't really need to like, 
I don't feel the need to like get water in me now. Like, no. oh man, I need to rehydrate. Like, it's pretty refreshing too. So I'm gonna go with a bummer on it and feel pretty good about it. How about you, Mark? I'm gonna stay at just a pint, just because it is very complex, and the the lingering funk in my mouth. Uh, I I just would, would want something more lighter, refreshing, what have you, on my palate after the the first class. I'm gonna I'm gonna go growler on it. Um, that's the type of beer that I I mean, it's pretty pretty close to a keg. That's the kind of beer I want to have all around. And again. It's kind of a little bit against our rating system that I want a growler because I don't know that I would drink it all, like, right mm-hmm. away. Yeah. But I know that it, I'm probably not going to stop until it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, like you said, I'm going to be like, ah, is there any more? Because I think there might be some more thoughts I have on this. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I'm will i going to go with a growler on it. Well, I... I, mean, I, I hope makes, your number me, two is at least as, is, is as good as the first Yeah, it one. makes me much more excited to open up the other two. I was a little worried, to be honest. Well, yeah. Um just because I had never had anything from this brewery at all. So I, the, honestly, I've never heard of it before. Yeah. But So the second one is going to be called The Bear and the Bees. And The Bear and the Bees is a honey ale that is in um, collaboration with Rob Keller of the Napa Valley Bee Company. Um, and he forged some honey from multiple wild hives around the Napa Valley and then let them use had them use it for some of the beer. Um it says they choose a clean and light base barley source malted in Madras, Oregon, with very low color yet a distinct malt tonality from the full variety full pint barley. We use a relatively soft water from St. Helena and Hallertau hops from Yakima, Washington, as well as our French Saison yeast again, to create a beer that was dry and crisp on the finish. The honey was married with the beer at the end of the boil with specific timing and technique to retain and boost the impact of its aromatics. After primary fermentation and settling in stainless, we rack to a new French oak barrel um, and age briefly for settling in light oak aromatics. Its flavor profile is somewhere between a Chardonnay, dry mead, hydromel style, and a Belgian strong ale. It's soft spiced with round honey tones and oak notes. Um, A focused and clean palate with very subtle hop bitterness. Our second release is crafted using vine, um, a different brand honey. Uh, which is organic and been around for a while. Like I'm just skimming through the notes here real, real quick as I'm leading through. So this one, kind of cool, has a bear that knocked over a uh, a uh, a hive and is like trying to swat the bees away from his head on the picture. What's interesting to me is it says honey ales. To me, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna, oh man. For those, yeah. Before we opened the first one, but the the uh, um, the first. Beer. Lion and other beasts. Yeah, before the uh, we started recording, and I was pissed because the sound with the bottle was amazing, and I'm so happy that the sound of the second one was yeah. equally as good, if not better. Yeah, I think it was even better. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, when you see a honey ale, you, you kind of just thinking I'm going to get a sweet beer. Like that's mm-hmm. at least what I think. So, so the when the description of this one is so long, and there's so many things going on to it, that I'm genuinely hoping that the uh, um, the flavor that we get from it is going to be equally as um, complex. The, we pour it out, and honestly, it looks um, pretty damn similar to the first one. Maybe a touch uh, darker. It, it's yeah, it's more towards the golden, where the first one was definitely more straw. Agreed. Uh, um, just be- real quick before we move on, I just wanted to note that um, 
on the lion and other beasts that came in at 22 IBUs. And I'm noticing on the back of the bottle that they have some more stats. And this one comes in at 18, uh, 19 IBUs. So, um, <clears throat> color is the light is again, really nice. Uh, aroma wise. It's very similar. You're getting a lot of the, they were made with the same yeast. So you're yeah, getting a I lot of those so. same yeast characteristics. Um, the lacing on the glass is insane. Like yeah. <laughs> just hanging on there. I took a sip and I, I know exactly where I put my mouth. Like, <laughs> yeah, and that probably has to do with the proteins contributed by the honey. Oh, uh, that's a good point. Um, I get um, on a sip. I, I do get sweetness, but again, I think that 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 um, wow. uh, yeast comes through. And I, I, I'm wondering. I'm in particular wondering what Mark thinks because I think this adds enough sweetness to it where the funk is um, a little less um, apparent. Well, I mean the. This is completely absent of uh, the Brett Brocks. Right, right. I'm sorry. So the 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 front, but it still has the saison yeast in it. So yes, it yeah, definitely has yeah. a prominent saison yeast character. But uh, you know, it, it without the Brett in there, it does not have the lingering funk that kind of was a little too much for me. Right. In, uh, the lion and other beasts. I like. Um, I. I the honey is really sweet, and it reminds me a lot of the golden ale, the Belgian strong ale that we tried recently. Um, from with, Barrage? From Barrage. Yeah. Like, I'm getting a lot of that same kind of feeling of that um, of that beer. Um, it's a little bit sweeter than the Lion and Other Beasts, which makes sense. You have the honey in there to add that extra sweetness. But it, it's very, very – it's it's similar, but it I think that they use the fresh oak barrel – didn't provo- uh, change it up a little bit too. Yeah, they didn't use the Chardonnay barrel; they used the uh, fresh oak. Yeah, um, kind of just smoothed it out a little bit. I don't think it really added a vanilla note. I'm not getting vanilla, but it's no. Uh, it was French oak barrel, right? French oak, yeah. Yeah, French oak doesn't give you as strong vanilla okay. as uh, American oak does. Yeah, does that's what have, I was trying does to it remember. Per, um, per impart a different flavor. Or is it just a more? Subdued? I think it's just more subdued or subtle. Okay, because when uh, I think of adding oak to oak, putting it in oak, I think of you know. Yeah, you're that, thinking that of a strong vanilla. Yeah, uh, but I think that I don't believe that is uh, typical of French oak. Okay. The, yeah, the uh, I think my favorite part about this is the interplay between the saison yeast and the sweetness of the honey. Sure. <laughs> um, no, I, I think we're all just kind of contemplating. It's yeah, it, no, that's definitely it's, what I'm doing. I I had something and then uh, I got sidetracked and then I lost it and I was trying to find it again and I failed. <laughs> it, yeah. Both both these first two really beers, complex. Though. Yes, I I have to say that I'm in love with this brewery yeah. so far. I this is everything I love about beer. It's so hard for me to find beers that have this this level of complexity. Because a lot of times when you try to make a beer complex, all of, all the flavors fight together and it gets muddled and kind of weird. But it ends I mean, up tasting brown in a bad way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, when I saw the, especially the the, and thank you, Jack, for for putting together notes for us because yeah, that was really know, helpful. Thank that was you. awesome. But the the, I mean, a fat paragraph on this. You said you were skimming through it and pulling out the points because yeah. it was it was a, it was a lot of information. They did a lot of shit to this beer. Oh my god. Yeah. They really did do a lot to these beers, and it's really – what impresses me the most, I think, is the fact that they're so complex yet so 
still remain light enough and really drinkable that you can that if you're not paying attention you can just drink these down and still enjoy it at a base at a at a simple level and yet if you want to take the time to enjoy it and analyze it there's a lot to do there too you know and sometimes with especially with darker beers i feel like because you have the darker malt and the more robust characters once it starts getting complicated not complicated complex it can be a little harder to drink enough to work through all of it yes does that make sense to you guys yeah this yeah, you're one, trying to, is, you're trying to chunk, you, yeah. you could drink through this and just be like, yeah, I'm just going to, let me get another bottle because I'm going to keep working through this one. You know? <laughs> what was the, what was the ABV on this one? I forget. Um, this one came in at, do I have it on the notes? 6.1. Here? 6, okay. No, it's not, it was not in my notes. So it was on the bottle? Yes. Yeah. So this one's going to be, I could see drinking this beer, and I, I, Maybe it's just the fact that it's Napa Valley like sticking in my head, but like I can see drinking these beers so far in a lot of the same way that you drink wines. Like you get a bottle and you pour it out for everybody and you share it and you talk about it and which is what we're doing right now. Yeah. And but you just keep doing and then but maybe you go, you know, we all kind of like that. Let's go get another bottle. Yeah, I definitely I definitely feel like uh let's hang out and talk. These beers are certainly built to play towards uh you know, people that might be out there for a winery tour. I think so. And they're like, oh, hey, a brewery. Let's stop there. <laughs> yes. I I wouldn't doubt it. And if they didn't, if they didn't, it's kind of silly, <laughs> you know, but at the same point, it's still really impressive with what they're doing. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah. I'm not trying to discount like the quality or the complexity of the beers. I'm just saying that I feel like they're, they know who their clientele is that's going to be driving down the road and like, oh, hey, why don't we stop there? So yeah. because I love these so much, you're telling me I belong in the movie Sideways? Yes. <laughs> you can be Paul Giamatti. Fuck you, Paul Giamatti. I'm Paul Giamatti. I'm like the six foot four version of Paul Giamatti. <laughs> like, I don't get to be, I don't get to be the You're not the Thomas Hayden Church. Oh, God damn it. That's who I want to be, though. <laughs> None of us are Thomas Hayden Church. No, no. I am. Look at me. I'm majestic. As fuck. <laughs> Look, so, I've seen him with a pretty impressive mustache at times, but I've never seen him with a neck beard. You are you are pulling off the neck beard today, like it's only like, like I know you hedge trimmed it recently because it's not like super scruffy. <laughs> yeah, but but it is holy shit! It's 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 alive. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Uh, I did have to. I had a interview that I had to trim down for a little bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, now it's back with a vengeance because they called me back and they said, oh yeah, we uh, we just had to go a different direction. So so you're like, all right, cool. <laughs> I'm going full Zoidberg. <laughs> I like to, uh, after watching it recently, I like to think more of the Dilophosaurus from uh, Jurassic Park. Oh. <laughs> nice. It pops out the side. Sometimes I spit. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, all right, rating wise, where are we going with rating this? Rating wise. This is, this is this another one. difficult one to rate. This is another one. I think it's going to fall in the same category. Um, it's going to be a bomber for me, and but this one is not quite as strong as a bomber, um, mostly because I think because honey sweetness tends to get to me a little bit. Um, I just I just can't. It's not a type of sweetness that I really enjoy, and I want to keep going going back to over and over. But I think a bomber is going to be right on point. I agree with the bomber. Um, it doesn't have the same complexity as the previous one with the Brett. 
Um, but I still really enjoy it. It's close. It's close to a growler, but I'm gonna stick to a bomber. I don't really perceive it as all that sweet. But that being said, uh, it, it's definitely a bomber for me. I could enjoy two glasses of it without it becoming too overpowering for my palate before I need something else. Thank you. That makes sense. What is what is this last uh, last thing that I'm sorry that it's the last one. I wish we had like six more bottles to go through. The so last one is the Ring Dove and the Hunter. <laughs> I fucking love these names too, which only add to the fact that they're in which Napa is Valley. Six point eight percent ABV. Right. So the Ring Dove and the Hunter is a is as the the brewer writes is a beer that I've been brewing for decades. One's called People's Porter. Oh, pardon me. It has always been a robust style porter and has inevitably changed throughout the years. 20 plus. Wow. This rendition is framed by the malty, rich, and biscuity full pint malted barley, black patent malt, a pinch of coffee malt, and hints of caramel 100 to 120. We hopped with U.S. grown Golding's hops, which were hit hard and and during setting, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't. He's talking about the the hop conditions that they were grown under. We don't care. We aged the beer in red and white wine barrels for three weeks prior to bottling. A spicy herbal note balanced with subtle roast malts and a mild bitterness brings this beer alive and should age gracefully in your cellar at 6.8 to 7.3% AB alcohol by volume. Whoa. Um, yeah. This is a beautiful beer. It's, uh, you know, I can't even joke and say it's light black. It's, uh, it's midnight black. No, it's not that dark. It is pretty fucking dark, man. Yeah, but it's definitely brown. It's not black. If I if I hold it up directly to the light, I can I, I can see brown. But if I hold it here like in normal light, I mean, I can't identify the color. There's almost an absence of color to me. We need a tiebreaker, Kevin. Um, I'm going with dark brown. Okay, I, I lose. I'm okay with losing. Who's the certified beer server here, huh? Oh my god, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a mushroom stamp right on the forehead and pull that shit out again. Um anyway. The I'm sorry, that was really <laughs> funny. I appreciate that. Thank you. There is a I don't know I wanna make sure that it's not me putting it into the beer putting it into the aroma. But are you guys starting to get a certain aroma? similarity between the three beers um that i think kind of speaks to the barrel the wine barrel kind of thing that they're putting in there yes a consistency between the three beers in the aroma yeah a little bit they each one of them this one least of them uh which makes sense has a slightly uh i don't know if fruity is the right word but just i think yeah 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 that's exactly it a little bit of a note to it this one has the least of all of them they kind of went from most down to to least in that order. Um, the 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 head is pretty awesome on this. Yeah, it's a it's a nice uh, tan head on the top of it. Um, yeah, let me take a sip. Oh man, yeah. The did you say this was in a, in a barrel too, right? Red and white. Yes. Yeah, you definitely get the barrel character in the beer, but not in the same way you would with a a Russian Imperial Stout. Right, where you know you're getting both the the alcohol note mm-hmm. from it. It's I mean clearly not uh, um, a bourbon or a whiskey barrel. No, no, yeah, it, it's definitely a, a different beast in that respect. But it's uh, 
it's much more rounded than I would expect from a porter. Yeah, I think that comes from the um, the fact that they age it in multiple barrels. I'm not sure if that means that they blend it. Or I'm, they... I'm assuming that's what it is. It's yeah. a blend of the beer that was aged, you know, a portion of it was aged in white wine. Right. A portion was aged in red wine. Yeah, so assuming that, assuming that's the method that they used, I think that's going to create that kind of depth and roundness to the flavor that they're that they're going for um yeah like if if somebody handed me a class of this and then asked me to declare the style absolutely no way i would say porter i'm the opposite i mean okay so before i say that what i mean where would you go i don't i really i don't know yeah but i would not i would not immediately think porter like now that i'm thinking about it yeah, I might think like English Porter. That's that's where my mind goes because I'm not getting a um, a lot of roast out of it, which obviously potentially the barrels could take out the roast, but or not take it out, but subdue it. But I, it, I would go Porter on it because it makes the most sense from uh, the lack of roast and also the uh, um, the uh, sorry, just the overall flavor is not as harsh as as, as most stats. You know what I mean? The, the, no, I, the, I definitely wouldn't think stout, but I, I honestly, you know what I might... Maybe English brown? I might think Bach, honestly. Oh, that's actually... You know what? I never think about the dark lagers at all, so that's... Yeah, that's not bad. Are we talking Eisbach? No. no it's just Doppelbach or Bach. Eisbach... Or Dunkel? So, as a random aside, Eisbach is... Not ice, E-I-S. Yeah, Eisbach. Yeah. That's how yeah, it is, yeah. It, they, that's ice in German. Okay. And... So what that is is it's they take a Bach beer, freeze it, yeah, and then no. skim the ice out of it. Yeah, I knew that. Oh, well, I, I actually right. did know that. I'm sorry. I don't. No, mean to, just, I didn't. I didn't mean to shoot you down on that. Just a just a straight up Bach, right? Which I'm not sure what category number that is. Yeah, the uh, actually what was interesting to me is when I was um, I was re- judging a, judging a competition recently. We were talking about um, you know whether something was a, a porter or a stout, and it was you know. Even in amongst and I'm me the, the least experienced out of everyone by a large margin, you know there was different opinions amongst all the judges on how to identify a dark beer as a particular style. So you know I was only really thinking about those two. But when you throw in the idea that you can have the dark lagers and other and, and, you know several other dark styles, I, I kind of see where you're coming from. Yeah, like they this could be a Dunkelsbach to me. Right. Yeah, so, that's really true. The the yeah. It definitely could be, especially with the the mouthfeel. Um, the idea that it's not as yeah, uh, and there's heavy. there's no there's really no perceptible hops. Mm. Right, it's a very clean uh, drinking. Yeah. Beer. So flipping back through the tome of knowledge here, the um, Dunkelsbach is um, a, sh- a dark, strong, multi German lager beer that emphasizes the multi the multi rich and somewhat toasty qualities of continental malts without being s- sweet in the finish. Hmm. Um, yeah, I wouldn't call this sweet in the finish. It's not dry either. It's basically medium. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely an interesting beer. I think I might fall into that without knowing the book, without knowing the, the variety of styles as well as you guys do. I would probably go to Porter just as saying that it's dark and I not a stout so i'm gonna go up one tier to porter that's where my mind so like in like the most elementary school way of like logical thinking of it that's where i would go um but that being said it's 
it's interesting. It does have a very... I, I like the idea of round as the flavor. I think you summed that up well with that mark. Yeah. Um, but it's a little bit... It's The sweetness is there. I'm going to go back to it because I was... From their book, I haven't had a sip in a few minutes, so... I drank all mine. Yeah, I, I did too. Which well, there's is a there's plenty how much more. I enjoyed it. Yeah, there is. Um, I don't I don't know that I'm I'm gonna make it out of here without drinking more of all three of these. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of you guys, but as I finished this one, I got a little bit of that kind of acidity sourness that sometimes comes with like red wine. I think there's a just, little yeah, bit the just the, the the lightest hint of it, but yeah. It, Again, it's not anything terribly strong. It's definitely not acetic. Um, uh, it, it, I'm just talking the most. No, mild, yeah, yeah. The mo- uh, right at the very end of the sip, kind of on the side of the tongue, I get a very little bit of it. But no, I'm just I'm just trying to clarify that uh, it's not uh, it's not an off flavor from uh, poor sanitation or anything. Oh like no, no, I realize that. that. Um, like I said, I'm just getting a little tiny bit of that. Um at the end which takes away a little bit to me but um it's still kind of interesting i think for me i think this one is going to fall and i think this is going to be a trifecta for me of bombers um these beers overall you know this one and the other two together there there's too much going on to only have one but there's also so much going on that i feel like i would become a little overwhelmed if i tried to go beyond the uh the two of them that's fair i mean for me on on the ring dove and the hunter i'm i'm gonna go rally on it because i i really enjoy it you know it doesn't scream border to me but i definitely drink my way through you know four or five classes of it yeah without getting fatigued i I had a feeling you were gonna go growler i'm gonna do the same thing i uh i that's another uh, really awesome beer one of the interesting things that i saw uh, on here was that these illustrations are apparently by someone named Francis Barlow, circa 1687. Oh okay. yeah, that makes sense. So it definitely seems like uh, you know they they seem like encycl like old timey encyclopedic yeah uh, illustrations. They're really cool, and um, apparently there's a website Napa Be- Napa Valley Beer dot com. Which oh uh, no, sorry, that's Napa Valley B. I put a letter in there because I like beer, but uh. The Honey Ale has one where someone apparently from Napa Valley Bee Company dot com had given had given them a uh, a review on the back of the bottle, which is pretty cool. Um, they have the OGs back here. I mean, this is like beer geek heaven. These beers, able to sit here, you could talk about these things like like complete losers for just hours. I feel like uh, I feel happy to be one of them. This one, (laughs) this one was fourteen and a half degrees Plato. This one was twelve and a half. Um. Yeah, uh, if I didn't say it already, this one's a growler. You did say that, okay? So, and Mark, you went with growler as well. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, I gotta say that this one, Jack, was an absolutely awesome find. Yes. The, the, um, I, thank you so much. And this is the kind of, to be this, honest, this is the polar opposite of when he went to the Alchemist and brought us back beer. Right. Both we appreciated both of them, but this one we really liked. <laughs> but these are the kind of beers that like. I get why I got into doing this with you guys like why I, these are the kind of beers that I wanted to drink and have an excuse to drink these beers like I can't drink I can't justify buying this whole bottle for myself I would honestly I would probably buy this beer just for the bottle 
Yeah. But like if I bought this beer and tasted it, I would probably buy like six of each. Yeah. But like this is <laughs> I like, would be broke. But having the but being able to to try these beers and share these beers and talk about these beers, this is why I, I this is why I do these. Like, yeah. This is why I love doing the show. And but and these were fantastic. They were really great finds. So thank you, Jack, so very, very much. Yes. I, I appreciate it. Jack uh I'm pretty sure Jack would like to st- thank uh Stefan, the person who helped him and his friends when he went out there to buy these. Apparently the he gave them tastings of nine different beers, including two of which that weren't even on the board. Nice oh, job, uh, Stefan. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was really cool. I mean, always appreciate it when um, anybody, in particular Jack, it's already done it three times, um, yes. you know, thinks about us and, 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 and buy, not only tells us about what beer to, that they want us to drink, but then procures reaches them out, for us. Reaches yeah. out to us in advance of the trip and says, hey, I'm headed out to blank, you know, you know <laughs> any places that I should stop by. Right, exactly. So. Um, uh, I appreciate it a lot, and I'm going to, uh, as soon as we, we're done recording, I'm going to drink some more. There you go. Sounds good to me. Well, guys, Mark, you have any other uh, final thoughts on uh, Mad Fritz Brewing beers? No, other than that, if I ever, you know, find myself out in that area, I'm going to be sure to stop by. Absolutely. All right, then, everybody. Well, take care of yourselves and each other. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Hello. Your call cannot be taken at the moment, so please leave your message after the tone. If you enjoyed Beertastic Voyage, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to review and rate us. The guys can be found online at www.beertasticvoyage.com, on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash beertasticvoyage, and Twitter and Instagram at beertasticshow, or send them a good old-fashioned email at beertasticvoyage at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and cheers for local beers.